All right, I guess we'll go ahead and get started. Um, only have a few people in here, but obviously wanted to react to that game. I don't even know what we just saw right right now. We saw we saw one of the greatest individual performances in NBA history, Luka Doncic, with 73 points to lead the Mavericks to victory 148 to 143 against the Atlanta Hawks. A huge game for many reasons because the Mavs were on a three-game losing streak. They had been, they had been handled, you know, pretty, you know, pretty decisively in these last three games against the Lakers last week, uh, Boston on Monday, and then Phoenix on Wednesday in an absolute meltdown. Luca was 0 for three or 0 and three since coming back from his ankle injury. Um, the Mavericks looked lifeless. They looked unenthusiastic, uninspired. They look like they were throwing in the towel. But tonight, Luca made it a point to come out and set the tone early. And from the beginning of this game, you knew it was going to be a special night for him. I don't think anyone could have ever forecasted 73 points, but um, just just an insane game. And I think after all the noise and all the discussion about, you know, Luca's uh, distraction, his lack of composure, uh, complaining to the referees, uh, some warranted, some some not, depending on what your opinion is. But uh, he really came out tonight and showed that he is still the best offensive player in the game and capable of looking like the best player in the game on any given night. Um, you know, obviously it was an extremely high-scoring game for both teams, but at this point the Mavs are just so desperate for a win uh, that I think you take any way you can get it. And the Mavericks needed almost every single one of his 73 points. So uh, obviously just happy to get the win uh, in the first place, but happy to have witnessed history. Vinay just joined uh, to co-host. Vinay, how's it going? What's your reaction to this game? 73 points is a lot of fucking points. It is. <laughs> and uh, we needed probably every one of them because everyone on the team just won, besides Derek Lively, just wanted to, I don't know, try to lose that game at the end as much as they wanted to. But uh, – I mean, with all the dialogue we saw this week, I mean, we even saw Mavs fans doing Luca trades, and I don't even know what was going on this week with the discourse. I get it was a bad, uh, bad look with the fan on on uh, when do we play Phoenix Sunday or sorry Wednesday. Uh, Wednesday. Um, I mean, I guess that was a bad look, and you know, when it's going bad for your team, the superstar is going to get the blame and the credit. So, I mean, when it's going bad for the Mavericks, Luca is going to get the blame, and when Luca does stuff like that, like I'm not even like. Like, 73 points, like, I'm surprised he got 73 points, but I'm like, I'm not even, like, that shocked he got 73 points, you know what I'm saying? Like, he just has, like, that type of ability where he gets hot, he can just, he can do something like that. Yeah, I mean, you know, we, we know Luca what he's capable of, and obviously we saw it in the 60-point game uh, last year against the Knicks. I think this game was obviously different than that one because uh, in that Knicks game, of course, they're playing a Knicks team without Jalen Brunson, without Julius Randle. Uh, the Mavs were kind of uh, playing pretty listless that, that entire night. Only in the end, they had a miraculous comeback. In this game, I think the Mavs, I wouldn't say they controlled it the entire time, but they were, you know, they were connected the entire time. It was, they never went down by more than, than like six or seven points. So uh, from that perspective, I mean, obviously as a team, I think they played a better game. Um, you know, you would have liked to see them close the game out a little bit better, but I think on such a you know emotional night like this, sometimes uh, guys just sort of it, it's it's an out of body experience I think to uh, to witness something like this, and I think that's why we kind of saw things like 
Tim Hardaway Jr. completely airmailing Derek Lively there towards the end of the game. Luckily, it didn't cost them. Nah, but. I don't want to hear it. Nah, man, I don't want to hear it, man. That's, you gotta I mean, yeah, you got to make that pass. I, 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 I'm, nah, <laughs> I mean, maybe not because the pressure. No, nah, but Lively was wide open. Man, I, I, you got to make that pass. Yeah. And Derek Lively, I'm glad you, you, mean, you didn't mean to mention him, but, I mean, he was amazing today. This is one of his best games in his, of his rookie career, or of his rookie season so far. And he's not going to be the topic of tonight, obviously, when someone goes for 73. But, I mean, defending the rim, making passes when Luka was getting trapped. And honestly, like, of the other four players on the court, when Luka's getting trapped, like, he's the one more likely than not to make the right pass over the other guys on the court. And he just – I'm super impressed by what he's done this year. And we couldn't be luckier with how the whole draft shaked out and all that. I know. I mean, you know, Derek Lively – may not get as much shine as he deserves because obviously Luca's going to be the, the top five stories from this game. But um, he was great in the fourth quarter. I think Derek Lively played tremendously um, on both ends. Uh, defensively, like he was a force in the paint um, and forced a lot of misses uh, for the Hawks. Um, and then offensively, I think he was a good uh, pressure release valve uh, for the offense because, you know, the Hawks were – playing really aggressive defense on Luka there towards the end of the game, maybe to prevent 70 uh, points, maybe to, you know, try and get back into the game. But Derek Lively was there almost every time to make the right play. And there were, cha- there were times where he was open under the basket. Um, but, you know, guys like Tim Hardaway Jr. didn't see it. And luckily, I think there was one play I remember where Lively was wide open under the basket, uh, but Tim Hardaway Jr. opted to take the three. And, and luckily, he hit the three. But, um, you know, Derek Lively played almost as good as you could have played for a player in his position. Yeah, uh, I mean, Mavericks have some needs, obviously, that they have to address, but one of them needs to be getting a backup for him because, I mean, people complain about Rashawn Holmes not playing enough, but, I mean, I guess, like, today we kind of see why he doesn't play that much. I mean, he's just too small to anchor the rim as a backup big. Dwight Powell, I mean, I understand everyone's concerns with him. I don't think he should be on a playing on a serious team either, but... You know, I kind of see why Jason Kidd goes with Dwight Powell over Rashawn Holmes. Yeah, I thought Rashawn Holmes filled in pretty well tonight, um, especially for a guy who doesn't play at all. Um, you know, you have to respect his his professionalism and his ability to come in and, and contribute like he did tonight. So uh, shout out to Rashawn Holmes for holding it down as well. Um, Josh Green had a good game tonight. I, I got to look to see what his final uh, stat line was. Uh, let's just see right here. Uh, 21 points, two rebounds, four assists. He was a plus nine in the game, um, which was third on the team behind Derek Lively and Luka Doncic. So, I mean, obviously Josh Green, I think, was huge, especially from the beginning. He hit his, he started hitting his threes from the beginning of the game. So, uh, needed every single one of that. I think defensively, his energy was there in transition. He was big. Um and Exum came up with some uh, timely three-pointers down the stretch, too. I thought Dante Exum looked like, uh, you know, the version of Dante Exum we saw before the injury. I think against the Suns, he was a little bit rusty. It was his first game back from injury. But tonight, I thought he really made a difference. No, for sure. I mean, it just kind of, once again, another reminder that this team just really has not been healthy at all this whole year. And that includes Dante Exum and Derek Jones. Did he come back in the game today? No, he he left. Um, they said a wrist sprain, yeah. but it looked pretty bad. Um, 
so I mean, yeah, like once again, like this team, like they haven't gotten to play their starting five that I think Jason Kidd wants to play together, which I'm assuming is Luca, Kyrie, Exum, Jones, and Lively. Um, and they just haven't really gotten to see that lineup together at all. Yeah, and who knows when we're going to see um, see that lineup again. I mean, hopefully it truly is just a sprain um, for Derek Jones Jr., but based on the severity of that injury, I, I would expect him to miss some time. And hopefully it's, you know, hopefully there's not ligament damage or more than uh, more than just like a, you know, grade one sprain. But again, I think, you know, I, I don't expect him to play tomorrow, obviously, and then we'll see going forward. But um I think it was huge to see Dante Exum step up like he did tonight. Josh Green, I think, continues to build confidence. I mean, I feel like since getting back into the starting lineup, uh, Josh Green has played a lot better than he was earlier in the season. And I know personally I'm a guy who doesn't always enjoy watching him play, but I'm not going to complain like if he's if he's hitting his threes and getting out in transition um, for easy buckets. I mean, that's what we really need him to do, and that's his unique skill set. So uh, that was great to see. Yeah, he might need to stay in the starting lineup. Just not even like he's necessarily like one of the best five players. Maybe he is on this team, but more so just because he just seems like he plays differently when he's starting versus coming off the bench. And whatever the mental boost is there, I guess it's worth having him start for the foreseeable future, especially since one of Exum Jones or Kyrie seemed to never stay on the court. Yeah, exactly. And um, I do want to talk about one one thing here that I'm seeing on Twitter, which. Um, which I believe bears mentioning because a lot of people are rightfully pointing out that Luca easily could have forced a lot more shots in the fourth quarter to try and get to 80 points or try to break Kobe's record of, of 81 points. Um, but he didn't. I thought Luca made the right play more often than not in the fourth quarter. He wasn't jacking up threes. Um, he wasn't, you know, jacking up step back two pointers either. Like he was making plays to get, you know, his teammates looks when they were open I mean, there was a nice assist that he had to Derek Lively under the basket. Um, just like a beautiful dime. And it should have been an and one, but I don't think that they gave Lively the uh, the shot. So it was free throws. But regardless, like, you know, Luca was making the right play in the fourth quarter. He wasn't trying to um, trying to force shots. Because with the way he was shooting, if he had forced more shots, I do think he could have gotten to 80 if he really wanted to. Like in the in the third quarter, you know, he's he, he took a backseat in terms of his scoring. Like, I think he still had... 14 points in the third quarter, but, um, you know, that's when the other guys started going. And I think that's what really helped the Mavs win the game because it was, it was tied at halftime, I believe, um, at 66, right? Um, and the difference ended up being just the role players starting to, to get hot. And, of course, Luca continuing to dominate the game. Um, as this tweet states, this is the most efficient 70-point game in NBA history, which kind of goes to your point if he wasn't really – Forcing the 80, um, yeah, I mean, I've kind of ran out of words to talk about Luca. Like, <laughs> like once again, like, surprised he scored 73, but, again, like, not that surprised because he just kind of has that ability to do it. Yeah, and, I mean, did it. you know, there, there's, fan, there's fans of players like Devin Booker, for example, who, who like to point to his game um, as one that's conducive to putting up gaudy scoring stats Um while also, we don't gotta compare, bro. Those are both insane. No, they're both they're both great players. I'm I'm not I'm not saying I'm not saying that not and not taking anything away from Devin Booker's game. I love his game, um, but I'm saying I'm talking more about the fans, not just fans, but like you know analytics people too. Like you know former Mavs uh, director of 
analytics, uh, Jeremiah Engelman or that one, you know, <laughs> uh, st st analytics stats guy. Um, I think his ad is like sports mediocre. All these people who swear that um, that the team succeeds in no, spite I mean, of Luca are, are better can't, without him. You just can't. You can't like reply or have a reaction to just every opinion out there especially like he hasn't won a title yet and then like we all know how good luca is for the most part like but we're gonna see like bad faith takes like that until he wins the title it's just how it goes yeah ex exactly i mean unfortunately that's the league that we uh that we live in today you know it, unfortunately like the discourse pe people have found a way to sort of knock great statistical performances because of, I think Russell Westbrook was really the first player to sort of deal with this. And, and you can argue the merits of whether uh, those arguments were right or not. But I, I do think that, that there, you have to appreciate great statistical performances, you know, just for what they I are. Never got, just for what they I are. I never understood the, the Westbrook... I never understood the Westbrook criticism when he got his triple. I never understood it either. It was just... He's historically one of the best rebounding guards that yeah. I've ever seen. Like, he's going to rack those up. He's a great passer, like, and he's a high-volume guy on those OKC team. I get that with KD gone, but, like, that's still an impressive accomplishment to average a triple-double over a season. Like, come no, on. I, to I, I, I totally agree with you. Like, he did and not just for one season. You did it for three straight seasons. I think – I'll tell you what it was. I think it was – it was it, contrarians saw an opportunity to, you know, have their voice heard. You know, contrarians, haters, whatever you call it, like they saw an opportunity to poke holes in it, and and you know, they were like, if we if we like you know, espouse this opinion, then we can take away from this objective statistical greatness. I never believed it for a second. Um, you know, I kind of got caught up in it, but at some point, I took a step back and I thought about it, and I was like, averaging a triple double is insane. It's you know, Oscar Robertson was the only other player before Russell Westbrook to do it, right? No. And, yeah, no, and I understand the argument about, like, a lot of stats are going to be inflated nowadays because of just how, like, I think it's not necessarily because of the defense. And, yes, defense can be better here and there around the league. But the players are just so skilled, and there's just so much space on the court nowadays with, I mean, you got a lot of times four shooters around a ball handler or whatever. You have shooters around a pick and roll, and that's what the league is nowadays. And it's just going to be, you're going to get gaudy numbers like that. But still, at the end of the day, 73 is absolutely absurd. Absolutely absurd, and they needed it. They they did need it, and and I think I think more more than anything. I mean, scoring obviously super impressive. You can't you can't talk enough about it. But I do think that Luca made it a point to set the tone um, for his team early. And there was one play in the first half where he was guarding Dejounte Murray and kind of forced a deflection. Um, and then the ball was loose, and Luca dove on the floor uh, to get the ball, and eventually Dejounte Murray was called for foul on Luca, and that was coming after I think Luca had gotten to I don't know thirty something points, and I was just like yelling at my TV like Yeah, Luca, like you know, because you need that kind of energy from you know from your leader, and obviously after the last three games um, when Luca's effort and energy has come into so much criticism, and rightfully so, I thought that was great to see him, you know take on the challenge of hustling and playing hard because, you know, scoring, you can, in this league, like you said, scoring comes easy to the best players in the game. Um, but it's easy to score a lot of points and lose a game too, as we saw with Carl Anthony Towns a few nights ago, or even Devin Booker tonight. I'm not disrespecting them, but I'm saying that like, that's just how the game is now. One player can go off for that many points and you can still lose. So it comes down to doing those other stuff, rebounding, defense, hustle plays.
And I thought Luca was great at, at a lot of that tonight. Yeah, I mean, any any problems with the Dallas Maverick, and there are for sure problems with the Dallas Mavericks. We can all see them. It's not really it does not have a lot to do with Luca and Kyrie. Like it's just just really doesn't. Kyrie's availability has been a little disappointing this year. I mean, the Dwight Powell injury was just kind of bad luck, and then I guess this latest thumb thing's been also bad luck. But you know, just like to see him play more. Not really his fault, but you know, just. As a Mavs fan and a Kyrie fan, I would like to see him play more games. Yeah, it, it, it's certainly been tough uh, this season, I think, to develop any sort of continuity. And and there is a built-in excuse for the Mavericks being, I guess, now five games over 500. Um, you know, obviously, I think in this West, like, you're never going to see, like, a, you're, or not never, but, like, at least, like, in this West, you're not going to see a 65-win team. You may not even see a 55-win team, or you might see, like, one 55-win team, but... Um, it's just a lot more even uh, in terms of the competition. So on any given night, any team can beat, you know, can win. Uh, and so I think the Mavericks are a great example of that, you know, being a team that on any given night, they, you know, they could beat the Minnesota Timberwolves um, without, without, you know, Kyrie Irving. Well, well, they didn't do that, actually. But you know what I'm saying. Like, without Derek Lively, that, <laughs> I, I, I just uh, my mind uh, lasts there. Uh, but then they could also get beat by the New Orleans Pelicans playing without their three um, starting, you know, star caliber players. So that's just the league that we're in now. And then when you have to deal with the continuity issues the Mavs have had, it makes it even more difficult. That being said, it doesn't excuse the lack of energy and effort that we've seen from them. And hopefully a game like this uh, gets them going. But... I also am wary about the potential, like, emotional toll coming out of a game like this. Um, like I said, it's an out-of-body experience. Why do we – we have a back-to-back again tomorrow versus the Kings. We have three, we have three games against the Kings this season that come on the second night of a back-to-back, I believe. Yeah, like, okay. Yeah. I, I mean, I guess the NBA still hates Mark Cuban. I don't, I don't know what else to <laughs> – And we got, an, a, we got an additional back-to-back with the whole uh, Warriors rescheduling thing. Yeah. Um, I mean, I saw yeah, that. Which, I'm cool. Yeah. I mean – that's unfortunate circumstance. I'm not as mad about that. No, I don't. I don't. Like, man, three of them <laughs> against the Kings this season right after they had the highest pace in basketball is a little frustrating. But we'll see what they can do home tomorrow. Kyrie probably is not going to play, but we'll see. He was listed questionable the last two games. Yeah. Right? So maybe there's a shot. I don't know. It's po- it's possible that he plays. I, w- I wouldn't rule it out. Um, questionable two games in a row, I feel like, means that there is a chance that he plays. But... um we just gotta, we just gotta get some games together. You yeah. can't just roll. I know, I know. Hope you get. I mean, off time. It, it just, it doesn't they're, they're kind of, they're kind of reminding me of like what the Clippers were trying to do these last few years. Like just, you know, try to. But it wasn't. But they weren't. No. Nah, but I don't agree with that because the Mavericks aren't trying to do that. Like Kyrie's, like the Clippers were. I, I, like, I guess you're right. Trying to. Rest. I, the Kyrie's kind of dealt with some injuries here and there. Not yeah, I, I, I guess I misspoke. I, I didn't mean that they were trying to do it, but it, it kind of reminded me of that as just like a team that, you know, is trying to get by in the regular season, has suffered an unfortunate number of injuries. And you just like kind of have to hope and pray that the timing of the injuries works out such that in the playoffs, everyone is healthy. And you believe in the star duo of Luca and Kyrie, you know, understandably. But it's just tough when they don't get enough game reps together. I mean, it, it goes back to last season. They only played 16 games together after the trade deadline. Um, and then even in the preseason, in the preseason this year, they played like less than seven minutes together before Kyrie Irving got hurt. 
Um, and it just felt like whenever one comes back from injury, the other gets hurt. And it's usually tough for, I think, management in general in sports to kind of figure out what their team is if they haven't really seen them together a lot, which in the case with the Mavericks, they haven't really seen this team together. But I think a lot of us can see what they need come trade deadline. If they can hopefully address those needs, that would be great. But they, I mean, they just have to. Like, they're just too small. Like, you got to be bigger to compete in the NBA. And, Absolutely. You know, um, even if we get healthy, which I hope we do, and it might not happen, but even if we are fully healthy, like, we're just still too small as we are we currently sit here grant's been a complete dud we thought he was going to help with the size stuff and you know at times he has just being bigger than most of the players that have been on the mavericks the last few years but besides that he's just been like i hate to use the word potato but just been like a potato with the ball like i don't know what to expect when when he has the ball lately sorry i i I kind of was uh zoning out which player were you referring to Grant yeah, Williams. Grant Williams. I thought he played pretty well tonight. You zoned out just like Grant Williams zones out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I thought Grant Williams had, had a – yeah, I mean, the, like, like I tweeted earlier, the bar is in hell for Grant Williams. Like, the bar is so low for him. But, like, you know, I thought that he played pretty well tonight. I mean, defensively, I thought he was good. And, like, you know, he hit his, he hit his shots on offense. He was able to get, he was able to get some layups at the rim. So, um can't complain too much about his performance, but again, could he do it for a week now? That's what I'd be looking for. And the other thing too is like the Hawks' defense is horrible. Like we didn't play great defense today, but I thought we played good enough defense. Like when it mattered, the Hawks' defense—they ha- have no interior presence. Clint Capella's washed. Onyeka Kongu, I-, I like him, but I don't think he's single-handedly saving their defense. Like. A large reason why Luca was able to get into such a good rhythm was because he was driving to the basket early in the game and getting his shots at the rim. Um, he wasn't settling for too many three pointers. Then once those shots started falling, he's able to, you know, he was able to take more threes and hit them, and that's why you saw eight threes. But this didn't feel like a game where Luca just hit a ton of threes. Um, it just felt like a game where he picked the defense apart and got whatever he wanted. And obviously, Luca's the type of player to be able to do that. But the Hawks' defense is just so bad, uh, both on the perimeter and on the interior. All right. Um, I just wanted to get up here and uh, and talk about the game. I unfortunately don't have time to bring people's up. So, so I do appreciate you guys uh, tuning in. Um, we'll do another space that's more interactive later on. So... Uh, Sorry to everyone who requested to speak. I, I do apologize. Um, enjoy your Friday night. Enjoy this win. It was much needed. And I guess we'll be back at it tomorrow night against the Sacramento Kings. So thanks again for tuning in to Mass Film Room Spaces. Go Mavs. We'll see you soon.